We're going to go to the word of the Lord here in just a moment. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, man. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And while you're turning there, let's all stand in honor of the word if you don't mind. I'm going to read a text to you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9, 10, and 11. I want to say we've got special friends here from our previous life in Dallas where we spent 10 years. And we've got special friends here. And uh, the ones we knew were coming, Matt and Tamika and their beautiful children, and uh, we are so thankful they've come in town. They, they like to get away sometimes. They like to come to Austin sometimes. And they connected to us this weekend, stayed with us. We've been fellowshipping, connecting. But Brother, uh, Brother Morris here, he, uh, him and Tamika are very special to us. They were, uh, they were a big part of our lives in Dallas, a part of our youth staff team when I was youth pastor, and then eventually became the youth pastor whenever I left. And he's still one of the, the uh, lead pastors there at the church helping out in that local church in Garland, Texas, and they are wonderful people, and we're just so honored to have them there. He, he taught the men's lesson and was incredible this morning. Awesome job this morning. So we love them very much, and we're so thankful that they're in town this weekend spending time here. And then the two surprises showed up today. These characters here, good times we've had, Nathan and Dylan here. And they also from the Dallas Church, New Life Church. And uh, now they're grown, married, got, I guess, kids and all that. And they're having a little mancation over here. And uh, they're, they're hanging out down the road, hanging out. And they decided to surprise, come to church today. And I love these two uh, men. I'm so thankful for our good memories, good times we've had together. And I'm glad they're still serving God. I'm glad you're still serving God. That's what matters the most to me, Nathan and Dylan, is that you guys are serving God. And uh, that's really all I, all I care about, is that you guys serve God. And I, I pray that you always will serve God. That's what it's all about. And it's cool to look back as a youth pastor, used to be a youth pastor, and see them still serving God. And that's what it's all about. And uh, sometimes it can be frustrating. You don't know if they're hearing you, but, you know, it's so cool to see them. And we give them honor today. If you're a guest today, thank you for coming to church today. I'm glad you're all here. Let's give all of our guests a big hand. Appreciation. Thank you, Lord. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Know you not, know you not. I think that's the King James Version. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, uh, idolaters, adulterers effeminate abusers nor abusers of themselves of mankind or thieves oh man so, someone someone stole something from me this week it was so sad I was I had the trailer uh, the, behind the truck and we had the, the ramps where we load lawnmower and the golf cart and someone stole it from Central Market of all places you thought you could trust Central Market that's where all the rich people go and, and Apparently the thieves are there too, and they stole the church ramp. I'm so sad. Man, right there, broad daylight. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God, uh, nor covetous. <laughs> A little bitter about that one. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And the best verse, y'all, the best verse, one of the best verses in the Bible. Verse 11, and such were some of you. I love this verse. 
But such were some of you. And I have counseled enough people as a pastor to know that people have done some really wicked things. And some of you would just be blown away to think how much people have changed. It is so awesome to know the stories of God's changes in our lives. Don't you let anybody tell you people can't change. They sure can change. All that list, all those kind of people, they can change. Such were some of you. Paul talking to the Corinthian church, that's what the church is made up of, people who've been changed. That's what it should be. Every one of you in this place, you should have a story to tell of who you used to be. Don't be ashamed of that. They preached about it publicly. They didn't get rid of that testimony. They didn't hide the an old sinful man underneath the rug. I don't forget where I came from. Don't forget what you used to be. Don't be ashamed of what God did. You're not bragging about it. You're giving God all the credit. When you talk about your past, you're giving God the glory. If it's the past and you're delivered from it, you ought to talk about it. You ought to tell everybody about it. You ought to tell the whole world what you used to be and what God's done for you. But now, guess what? You're washed. Someone say, I'm washed. You're sanctified. Say, I'm sanctified. That means you become holy. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Someone say, I'm justified. And by the Spirit of, uh, Spirit of God, our God, the Lord is good. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today. I just want to tell you that the church, you can be seated, the church is all about change. Somebody say change. The church is all about change. That's what we do here. We, we change. We are changed. God changes us. We change. It's a changing place. That is the church. Changing place. And it's going to be a changing place if we do this thing right. It's going to be a church of, of change. The church, ladies and gentlemen, is the answer to a lost and confused world. We are the hope. We are the city set on a hill. We are light of the world. People are consistently losing their faith in the church because they haven't found a real one where people have been changed. Most of the best churches today are full of people who already have good lives. That's not the kind of church that I want to go to. I want to go to a church with people who have a story to tell. I want to go to a church where people used to be things, that they are no longer those things. That's the church that tells me there's a God in heaven. Not the church where people have all the money and no problems, but the church where you've got a story to tell, you've got a testimony to tell, that you used to be one way, but now you're a different way. That testifies to the realness of God. That tells me there's a God. You want to, you want to see a miracle? Ask somebody where they used to be. It's a miracle. It's a miracle what God has done in our lives. You know, for the first time in American history over the last uh, few decades, a generation is now growing up disconnected completely from the church. I read that around 10% of Austinites go to church now. 10% is all. 10% of Austin. In the Texas Bible Belt, we are the notch. We're the whole. Austin. 10% of city limits professes to go to church consistently. That's where we're at now. 
this young generation, this young college city, this capital of Texas, people have lost faith in the church. Now, many of them still today say they're spiritual. Many today say they still believe in God. They just don't want to go to church. Yeah, they don't want to go to church. So people are losing their faith in church. You see, people now can look up the Bible. They can look it up on YouTube. They can look up what the Bible says. But what confuses people is not that they've heard the word. It's they have not seen people live it who profess to know it and live it. What's hurting us actually and blessing us is the expansion of the word of God to the world has helped us all know who God is. The downside is it's helped us all know who we're not. Now people can look up for themselves what a Christian's supposed to be and measure us by our own Bible. Oftentimes out of context because they don't understand the word, but there are some things so clear in Scripture like we ought to love people. And they can feel it when we don't. And so what, what's hurting people's faith in the church is that they know who we ought to be and they scratch their head and go, you go to church every Sunday? You go to church every Sunday? Your kids are in the kids' choir? Those same kids you drop off at daycare. <laughs> Those kids who have Sunday school class every Sunday? The ones that said the words they said at daycare? So you see how, you see how this would make anybody say, okay, well then I'm not going to church. At least I'm not going to that church. Because people, people measure God off of us. I know you don't want it to be that way, but that's the way it is. People hold us to a higher standard because we claim to have His Spirit in us. And then they see how some of us act and they go, if, if God is really in you, I don't want that God causing you to act the way you act. Or God's not in you and you're a liar. So now you're just a hypocrite because you go to church but you have no fruit. Either way, they don't want to serve God until they see somebody change. And when they see us change, it's undeniable that I was one way and everybody knows it. Look at my Facebook profile from 10 years ago and now look at me now. What did it? Jesus did it. The church I was going to did it. I got a new pastor and it worked. It verifies God when people change. All this talk about how we got to reach our world. First, God's got to reach me. Can't wait to get on the bus and get into bus ministry. We can't wait to go win souls. Can't wait to get out there. The world, we're talking like this. The world needs Jesus. Some of y'all be watching the news like, man, they just need Jesus. You're in traffic like, that man needs Jesus. You go out to a restaurant, your waiter, they need Jesus. It's so easy for us to say who all needs Jesus. But you know the hope of that waiter is you. The Jesus in you. The Jesus coming out of you. That's the hope of the world. Is Jesus in us the hope of glory? The hope of glory in the world is going to flow through you. That's why you need to run to an altar today because the revival starts in you. 
Whatever happens in your family starts inside of you. What happens in your job starts in you. Quit trying to pray for God to work all around you, but skip you. Jesus said it like this. He said, look, I know you want to tell everybody what's wrong with them, but first look in the mirror and get the log out of your own eye before you go mess with somebody's speck in their eye. If you can figure it out, that gives them hope that they can figure it out. You know what's really hurting the church is, is the inconsistency of all of our shouting and jumping and praising and the way we dress up, and then we change when we walk out. And a lot of young people don't want to serve God because of that right there. And so as a pastor, it puts me in a tough spot because I kind of want to get on to more of these parents to save a generation. But it's these parents sometimes that like don't talk to me like that. You're the reason why these kids don't believe in God. You come up in here and you put your dress on and you come to church and you're like, but gee, they, you need Jesus and they need Jesus. And your kids are like, you need Jesus. They won't say it because you don't talk back to your parents. But in their hearts, they're looking at you coming to church, and it just doesn't add up to them. It doesn't make any sense. How come you could go to church so faithfully and look good and dress up, and it never comes out of you? You know what they're, they're thinking but won't say it? Is God even real? Is this real? Y'all, I've heard it so many times. You don't have to amen me. It's the truth today. I've, I've already heard the testimonies individually from people. Is so many people doubt God because of the people they've met who say they know God. And here's my philosophy, Brother George. I think that here's how we escape that. We need to be more real with our humanity and our failures and our flaws. We put on such big airs because we got the Holy Ghost in us. And we, we go to church, and we put on airs like we can't make mistakes. You know, that, that, all that does is set you up for being a hypocrite later. When you walk around like you can't make a mistake, you've got to cover up the mistake when you do it. The best thing for you to do is just know when you look in the mirror that I have the capacity to make a mistake. I can still be wrong and wear a suit to church on Sunday. Just because I show up here every week doesn't mean I can't get an attitude when I go home and make my kids offended. You have the capacity to make mistakes. That's why we're supposed to walk with humility. Because you're just a man, you're just a woman. Even though you've had the Holy Ghost for 30 years, what the world needs to see is a church people who can confess that we haven't figured it all out yet. You know what our kids need to see is not perfect parents, but a parents that apologize. You can make mistakes in this world and not lose your testimony. But you can't make mistakes and cover it up to protect your false reputation. You've got to own it, Pentecostals, when you make a mistake. You've got to be the first one to stand up and say, I messed up. My bad. My bad. I got a little lippy. I got a little attitude. I'm sorry. I didn't sleep good last night. You got to be the first one to confess you've messed up. And you can get back your reputation if you can quickly apologize. Y'all, I felt today to preach to you that, that we are the billboard of the world, but it starts in me. 
starts in my lifestyle. It starts, I, I got a mess. I haven't preached it. I got notes right here. And these notes, I want to preach it one day. I might just talk about it right now. But it's, it's, it's something along the lines of, you don't have to say it for me to hear it. it you know what? Who you are shows up in much more than words. In fact, words are cheap. Words are usually, a lot of times, not even believable these days. But we'll tell you what, who you are really shows up. It shows up in where you go. And how often you're there. And how often you're not. And where your car goes and what you spend your gas money on. That, that speaks louder than your words. Yeah. Your attitude. Sometimes what you don't say is more Christian than what you do say. Words like, I'm sorry. Tell me there's a God in heaven. You know what, what shows me there's a real God sometimes? is not when you show out and be perfect, but whenever you confess you messed up. Because that's a miracle that some people would actually confess they made a mistake. You ever met someone like that? So much pride that it was like, what? They said they were sorry? Oh, Jesus is moving in this family. You know, all of y'all got somebody in your family you are like, they actually apologized this week. What? Aunt Beth apologized? She never apologizes. It's a miracle. What have y'all been doing? We've been on a seven-day fast. Oh, no wonder. Y'all, sometimes I see Jesus whenever you say you messed up. Because that means he's moving on your heart. When you can confess, you don't have it all figured out. That's humility. That's also a quality of God's spirit. So, so we are the billboard, y'all. And, and I want our church to be so full of people with testimonies and changes because I want you to get out in this world and tell them what the Lord has done for you. As a pastor, my responsibility is not like an evangelist. I am here for the saints in the church. And if you can be a changed as a saint, you'll become an evangelist naturally. Because you will tell your story to your world about how God has changed you. Y'all, today I'm not trying to convince believers to believe. We're, we're trying to convince the doubters to believe. Because doubters have heard the sales pitch of the church, and yet they still doubt because here's the truth. Our world wants to see people walk in the church dirty and walk out washed. Our world wants to see people walk in the church sick and go home healed. Our world is watching us, wondering about us, hoping we're real because they're dirty too. And they're sick also. And they're lonely also. Y'all, they want this to work. They've just seen it not work so many times. They want to see people walk in empty and then walk out filled with joy and peace. Listen, the power of the church will always be and has always been in the transformation of the members of the church. A church grows when people are changing. 1,000%. A church grows when specifically saints are changing. People aren't trying to copy me. They're not pastors. They're not planning on being a pastor. People are trying to copy you. The health of the core members of the church is what creates a draw to God. And with a church full of people that aren't changing, aren't growing, have no humility, nobody wants to go to a church like that. 
Because we, we testify that God's not real when we stop letting the flow and the change of God go through us. A church with no transformation has no appeal to a broken and bound world. The Bible is no longer relevant or even believable to this generation unless we find a way to make it valid again. And that is to live the word of God before them and not just preach it all the time. The proof that we have of what God's done is called your testimony. Anybody have a testimony today? Your testimony verifies the authenticity of the Bible. Your testimony is more powerful than the Bible. Do you know why? Because the Bible is just an old book written by a bunch of dead men. To the world. But when they knew how you used to go clubbing, They said you'd never change. And your friends said you'll always be this way. And they said it would take an act of Congress if you ever got off drugs and alcohol and you ever got free of the life you were living. And then 10 years later, they look up your Facebook profile and they see you a loving Austin handing out bottles of water to broken people, praying in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, that old dusty fairy tale Bible begins to get a little bit more validity. The world just needs to read the Bible. They don't care about it. Because the people that read it don't live it. Y'all feel that today in the Holy Ghost? Y'all, God's calling me and God's calling you to stop looking at everybody else and the problems of the world and to say, give me my change today. Turn me around, G. Turn me around. Turn me around. Turn me around. I can't make my wife. I can't make my son. I can't make my boss. But I can change. And when you change, they cannot deny the masterful work of God in your life. I just wish they listen to me. They will. When you're believable. I'm speaking truth, but you're not living truth. Living truth is far greater than speaking truth. People, Brother Dell, people are tired of our words. We're, we're smarter than ever. We say things so smooth these days. But we don't live it. It'd be, just, it'd be good for us just to have a season of be quiet and live it. How, how, does, how does a person who can't speak prove they're Christian? That, they're real. There are people who can't speak. How would you even know they were Christians? Imagine that for a moment. Would anybody know you were a Christian if you couldn't talk again? Because I've shown most of my Christianity off with my mouth. Oh, we don't do that. We believe in Jesus. We believe in righteousness. That's easy to do. Anybody can say it. But when we live it is when there's real meat and foundation to our truth. We've got to let God work in us so that it radiates outward to others. Look, all this talk about how I just want God to reach my family, it starts right here with you. Pastor, my family, my family, my family's going to be lost. God's like going, you can help that. Go home different today. Watch what happens to your family. They're all going to be fainting over you. 
Where'd your attitude go, mama? How all of a sudden you got a good spirit in you? What happened to you? Oh, she went down to that church. Oh, that's exactly right. People will track you. You know that? People will track you. They'll pull up your, they'll pull up your little GPS coordinates and figure out where you've been. They will track you back to church. They will track you back to Jesus. They will track you back to the Bible. When you get out there and show them a new way, they will track it back to the source, and God gets all the glory. Let Jesus work in you. Somebody say praise the Lord. The power in the church is not what we tell the world about us. No. But rather, it's what the world sees in us. For Paul told the Corinthian church, first in 2 Corinthians 3 and 2, Paul called members of the Corinthian church epistles or letters read and known of all men. Y'all, we, we should be legible. We should be able to be read. You know how you can read things on people? You know, have you ever read somebody before? Because I can read you like a book. You said that before, hadn't you? Y'all, we should be read like books. You should be able to pick it up without us talking. You should be able to see us and see God. See the glory of God in our lives. See the flow of us and how we act without our mouths moving. This is the truest way to prove that there's a God in heaven to the world. Did you know that your freedom gives bound the bound people hope? And I want to tell a spirit-filled person today in this room that you are the billboard on the highway for Jesus. You are the campaign that gets the word out about the Lord. You are. I know you want it to be somebody else, but it's you. Because everywhere you go, you're advertising for or against Jesus. You, you can't have it any other way. You, it's impossible. You have to go hide in a cave somewhere to not advertise for the Lord. You're either promoting him or you're demoting him. You're either pushing his agenda forward or you're talking people out of it. I'm talking to church folks right now. When they find out you read the Bible and you don't live it right, you're pushing people away from reading the Bible. Pastor, I, I'm never going to be perfect. I already, I already covered that. When you're new to church, when you're figuring stuff out, live humbly and tell everybody, I, I hadn't figured out this Bible thing yet. I'm still studying the Bible. You've got to forgive me. I, I want to be like the Lord, take my time. But you see, if you will walk in humility and stop acting like you've got it all figured out to all your sinner friends. Oh, you don't go to church? Well, I do. How long have you been going? Two weeks. I'm saved now. I went to the altar. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm saved now. Yeah, I got sprinkled a little water on me. I'm saved now. I'm better than all y'all. No, you've you're been born again. You're a newborn in Christ. You're brand new. Stop acting like you've got it all figured out to the world. You don't have to to win them. It's more important you have the spirit of Christ than the words. Just have his nature. Have his peace for my word. Help us, Lord. Just have his peace. Nobody's got peace anymore. Nobody's got joy anymore. People can't laugh anymore. Talking, I was just talking about how we used to laugh a lot back in the day. Man, the young people would laugh a lot. Now phones came out, and they think people getting hurt is funny. But we used to laugh. We used to be able to laugh without a phone, without an iPad, without a video, because, because there's something missing now in our generation, this world, is we can't just enjoy each other. Where's the joy of the Holy Ghost? 
I love going to Austin today. We're going to go out to eat, and everybody around us is probably going to have a mimosa, whatever that is. They order it. It's got, like, salt on top, and they're all like, <laughs> and, and, and they drink, and I'm sure it's alcoholic, whatever. I just know not to get it. And so we're all having fun, and we're laughing, and we're joking, and we're having a good time. We're dressed up. People don't know if it comes from a funeral, a business deal, or a wedding. People have no clue, and they're all dressing casual, and we're just sitting there laughing and joking, and they are too. The difference is they have to drink have a good time and to get a chill and get a buzz and it just makes us all happier i don't have to have any of that and i can have a great time because i've got the power of god inside of me i've got love and joy and a testimony and peace and that's what makes the world scratch their head Oh, but help you, Jesus, if you show up to that restaurant and you're down in the mully grubs and you're having a bad day and you're over here just mad and sad and people look at you and you're all dressed up on Sunday, I know where you went. You're a testimony. No wonder Jesus said, look, I'd rather you just be hot or cold. Because if you are lukewarm, you're a bad advertisement. Y'all all right? So where does the change begin? It begins with our, our classic foundation of Acts 2, 36 through 38. Acts 2, 36 to 38. Let me give you this, this process in the word of God before we close. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you crucified, you Jews crucified him. He's both the Lord and the Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, uh, what do I do now? We killed him. What do we do now? Peter said to them, repent. Everybody say change. It's all about change. Be baptized, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the removal of your sins. Everybody say change. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. A brand new spirit will live in you. Someone say change. All three steps in the process include change. If you're not ready to change, you're not ready for Jesus. come try out church i'm just going to come sit around church look if you don't want to change you're going to be more offended at church than blessed in church i don't like offending people but i do i don't want to but i do you know why i do because i'm expecting people that come in this room to want change well i went to church and he offended me that's because i preached the word to someone i thought wanted god that didn't that's why you're mad you're mad because I am the doctor standing over the patient trying to save your life, and you don't want to be saved. Look, when you come up in the church house, it's anybody, it's fair game, all right? When you roll up in here, you're in God's territory. When you roll up in here, you're in the Word's territory. And God's going to reach out there and touch you. And if you want it, it will change you. If you want it, it will bless you. If you want it, you can walk out the doors brand new. But if you don't want to change, you're at the wrong place. My encouragement is come back when you're ready to change. Not not come back. I'm not trying to get rid of you. I'm trying to make sure that you're ready for this because everything we do is about us being changed, not about your neighbor. Some of y'all are like, oh, that's good for my neighbor. <laughs> that was for you. Stop all that. When I'm preaching, stop thinking about the leader that you don't like that needs to hear that word. Stop thinking about the spouse beside you that need to hear that word. I'm preaching to you because you're a human and you need it too. 
What we're preaching, say, that's for me. That's the word for me. The word was written to us, to individuals. It's good for you. Hey, look, the best way to help your friend change is to get that word for you, let it change you, and show them the word works. You want God to do in your spouse, grab it away from them, download it in you, and show it to them. And they will see the testimony of the works of God in you, and they'll want it too. Always trying to throw a word on somebody else. Give it to yourself, and then show them that God is real. So we got to go through this process of getting repentance and baptism in Jesus' name, and when you repent, that's when you change desire and direction. Everybody say repent. It's when you change desire and direction. It's when you say, I'm done with that old life. I'm not going to live for that devil anymore. I'm not going to do anything I used to do. I'm going to now find out how to serve God and follow his ways. It's a change. It's your change. It's when you desire to change. Then, when you get ready to change, you've got to change your past. Because your past will chase you down and remind you of who you are. So here's what's cool. Not only do you change, and not only do you get ready to change, but God changes your path, your past. He changes your past. He gets rid of everything that you've been and everything you've done. And now no longer can the devil lie to you and tell you that you are still that way. Because you, you changed today, but you didn't change yesterday. Yes, we did. In the name of Jesus, it's been changed. I'm completely changed. And then thirdly, God's going to change your future. You get baptized once because you can only die once. You die, that guy's dead. He's gone. All right? You get baptized, your sins are gone once. You can't do it twice once. You're done. So you do that once. If it's sincere, if you're of age and know what you're doing, it just takes once. But then you get the Holy Ghost and you live with it daily. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost will lead and guide you into all truth. So when you first get the Holy Ghost, you don't have all truth. Holy Ghost. Oh, I got the Holy Ghost. I don't need church anymore. Y'all, you're just starting the journey. Where are you at next Sunday? I, I got people getting baptized, get the Holy Ghost, don't come back. And I'm like, you realize you're just getting started. You can't go anywhere. This is the beginning. You changed your mind. We changed your past. And now we got to change your future. But you went right back out there and started that old life again. This is why a lot of people want to get baptized in the water, but they don't want to get baptized in the spirit. Because when you get baptized in the water, you get rid of all that guilt. But when you get baptized in the spirit, you don't, you don't have to ever be guilty again. Because when you change your future path, you don't make those same dumb mistakes. You've got the power of the Holy Ghost in you, and you can live a flourishing life of fulfillment. But the point is, when you get the Holy Ghost, the spirit of Jesus, it changes you. Somebody say it's like a fire. I love it. Matthew 3, 11 through 13, the New Living Translation. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. This is John talking about his baptism of repentance. But someone, Jesus, we know, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I'm not even worthy to be a slave and carry his sandals. And he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Somebody say fire. Fire is the symbol of the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get a fire. 
Yeah. You get a fire. Then he proceeds to explain the purpose of the fire in verse 12. Check it out. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat. The part that you want that's valuable from the part that you don't. Jesus uses fire to separate the sin out of your life, but let you be preserved. The fire is used to hurt and destroy sinful life, not hurt you. You become pure. You become saved. You become righteous. Because when you walk every day in the Holy Ghost fire, the sin can't live there. It's too hot. God help us build a fire. Changing helps us keep becoming like Jesus. Here's one problem we have with people who have been in church a long time. They get in church, they get a little bit of change, and they just plateau. But the Bible says that the Holy Ghost will lead and guide you into all truth. If you get off that journey, you're not going to keep learning all truth. And if you stop walking in the power of the Holy Ghost, you're going to start to revert back to your old sinful ways. We need the fire. Someone say, we need the fire. So what does the chaff and the wheat have to do with anything? Number one, the wheat was a valuable commodity in those days. Chaff was the useless part of the wheat that needed to be removed before one could prepare and consume the wheat. Chaff will be consumed with fire, but wheat will be saved. Jesus does not want to save your sin and take it to heaven. Leave all that here because ain't no sin going to be in heaven. Jesus wants to take you without your sin. Because your sin can't go, and the only way for you to go is to have your sin dealt with. And that's why the Bible says we have a Holy Ghost fire. It correlates directly with references concerning the sin and salvation. So make no mistake about it. The only thing keeping a person from heaven is sin. But the good news is, is that Jesus is ready to separate. Jesus is standing by, ready to deal with the thing that will keep you out of bliss and pleasure forever. Jesus is ready. You're not waiting on Jesus. He's ready. Jesus is ready. You hear me? Jesus is ready. Whatever you're battling right now, Jesus stands ready. Whatever's attached to you right now, Jesus stands ready to deal with the thing trying to kill you. I need you to think of sin like cancer. It's no joke. It's no game. It's a sickness for your spirit. And you've got to see sin as a sickness that needs to be burned out of you. Now, when I had COVID, I had fever for 10 days. That Delta strain was of the devil. I never fly Delta now because of that. I, <laughs> such a bad joke. <laughs> Really can't fly anything anymore. Southwest put an advertisement up that says, we'll drag you anywhere you want to go. In reference to drag queens. Family. Family airline. The world we're living in now. But I had this fever for 10 days. It was miserable. It was the worst sickness of my life. It was horrible. I thought I was going to die. All the drama, the fear surrounding it. And I, was, I couldn't whip the fever. And you know, that fever, 
that was a bad disease. That was a bad one. That Delta was a bad one. And I think there's a correlation between how much fever I had and how bad that sickness was. Because fever's jobs are not to hurt you. I know it's like our kids get fever. We're like, hurry, find the Tylenol. Fever shall destroy them. Fever is of the devil. Fever is a sickness. Fever is not the sickness. Well, the devil would like to tell you that the fire is against you. The devil would like to tell you that Holy Ghost fire ain't for you. It's going to hurt you. But did you hear me when I told you that fire is not out to get you? When you're talking in tongues, that fire ain't going to touch anything that needs to be preserved. You get to keep everything that you need to keep. When you're talking in tongues and the Spirit of God is burning everything, you come out of that moment more purified and clean, and everything that was trying to kill you gets killed. Yeah, that fever is actually your friend. Because as your body begins to heat up, it's actually going after everything that does not belong in your system. And your body knows that there are times the heat needs to be turned up to save your life. Don't you ever be afraid of the fever. Well, Pastor, I want to go find me a church where I don't have fever. You're going to be sick. You're not going to make it. You see, God designed the body to crank up the heat and be uncomfortable to save you eternally. And whenever there's a fire burning, the only thing that doesn't like it is sin, flesh, devils, and carnality. So we got to make up our minds as a church. We want the fire hot around here. Because we have no time for devils, sin, carnality, bad spirits, and all that junk. I want a fire so hot at AFC that there's no room for that mess to ever come back out of the grave and get attached to me. I want to leave that stuff down in the baptistry tank. I want to stay repentant and turn to God. And I want a fire built so hot around me that I had never, ever looked back. I keep going forward. I keep going forward. I've got to make it. So listen, there are some things I do not want attached to me. I want some chaff to get away from me. I don't want drug addiction. Get out of here, chaff. I don't want alcohol addiction. Get out of here, chaff. Get burned up. I don't want pornography addiction. You can burn that up too. You can have that. I don't want to hold on to my hurts. Let that burn in the fire. I don't want all my bitterness. Let that burn the fire. I don't want my loneliness. Let that all be burned up. My loneliness, my suicidal thoughts, my depression. I don't want any of that. We thank God when a doctor separates a tumor from us, but when the pastor starts preaching about it, we get all quiet. We should celebrate anything that's trying to kill us when it dies. And make no mistake that when sin's done with you, it will destroy you. And that's why you and I need to be hot on fire for Jesus, letting him change us. People that don't want to pray and have the Holy Ghost do not want a spiritual change. And you will continue to battle things in your spirit until you get the Holy Ghost fire burning inside of you. Let me close today. There's a temperature in the Holy Ghost that things like pornography cannot survive in. 
You see, you, you told yourself you'd never do it. You turned your back on it. You got baptized in Jesus' name. It's in the past now, but you're tempted to go back to it and pick it up again. And the reason why is because it's still going to come knocking on the door. Temptation is still out there. You've changed your mind. You've changed your past. But until you get the Holy Ghost, you can't change your future. And the only way to survive the oncoming attack and the sin and temptation and all the things around us in our sensual world is to stay on fire in the Holy Ghost. Because here's what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost destroys the sin before the sin can ever get in. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is they went in bound and came out free. And everything that put them in there died. And everything done to them was destroyed. And so when God lights a fire, it's not to kill you. It's to kill the thing trying to kill you. When God lights a fire, it's not to take you out. It's to take out the thing that was trying to take you out. Would you just think for a moment that something is trying to take you out? Confess it. And then know today that there's an answer for it can leave this place completely free because there's a temperature in the Holy Ghost where adultery can't happen to you. Pride cannot rise up inside of you. A lying tongue can't get a hold of you. Gossip and backbiting aren't going to happen. Unfaithfulness is impossible. Anger, I got it in check. Disrespect's not going to happen. Unsubmission, no, no way. Depression, it can't happen. There's a temperature, there's a fire in the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, every day the priest got up, the first thing he did was make sure the fire was burning. Because there's a sin coming down that dusty road. Every day they'd bring sin, and guess what? There is no solution for sin if there is no fire to put it in. Here's what's guaranteed. Sin will come knocking. So you've got to get up every day and make sure your fire is burning. Because if your fire is burning, then there's nothing that can stop you. Nothing. Somebody say nothing. Today, I am inviting us all to another moment of personal change. And I know right now your thoughts are probably on your job and your money, your relationships, or you're probably on all these worldly, earthly things, but the hope for those things is in you getting right with God. And right now, the enemy would like to distract you with something else. And I can't go up there and pray, Pastor, stop changing the subject. I don't need something from me. They do. Pastor, stop trying to talk about me. I don't want to talk about me. It's the people I live with. It's my spouse. Pastor, can you help my kids? We get so distracted. It's my boss. Pray, Pastor, pray for my boss. Pray for my boss that he'll help. He'll be different. So I go pray for their boss, and I'm like, Lord, touch their boss, help their boss. And you know when I start praying about your boss and your job situation, here's what I pray. I say, Lord, I want you to help them see the hard work. Wait, are they hard workers? Lord, I want you to help them, help the boss see how faithful they are. And I start thinking, are they faithful? Are they hard workers? They show up early, they show up late, they stay late. So here I am trying to pray for your boss when the hope of your boss is probably not my prayers for your boss. My prayers for you with your boss. Because you're the link to the boss. You're the link to your family. You're the link. 
not me. And we are bad about bypassing the responsibility onto everybody else when God wants to work through Whatever you're frustrated about right now, whatever's, whatever's getting you, whatever's attacking you, you pray for you today. That where you go, the fire goes. That where you go, the glory of God goes. Where you go, the peace goes. Did you know that peace is not environmental, but peace is internal? That when you walk into the room, peace shows up. I need peace in my family. No, you need peace in you. Jesus needs to be in my home. Then take him home. Take him home. I really feel the Lord talking to someone right there. I, I came here to tell you that we can't, we can't push this away from us. I got to be on fire today. I got to be on fire today. I got to make sure there's nothing in my way that I'm good and I'm clear. And it ain't selfish. The devil's a liar. It's not selfish for you to get yours. It's not selfish for you to hand off your kid to a friend for a few minutes and make sure you get on fire for God. It's not selfish. If you're not taking care of you, there's nothing to float anybody else. Brother Matt. Morris mentioned this morning that Jesus was giving out. We talked about it yesterday at my house. But Jesus was constantly giving out ministry. It's why he had to go get alone on a mountain and re-download. Even Jesus showed us he has to get his. Even Jesus understood the principle of staying on fire. Because he knew he was about to walk out in that crazy world with devils and diseases and lack of faith and attacks and trying to kill him. Everyone needs a moment where you take care of you and you're breathing. And you're fired up. And you're right. It is not selfish for you to say, take the kid. I got to go get right with God. I got to get re-fired with Jesus. Because when you get done with that prayer meeting, everything you touch will be a God contact to this world. If your spouse is not here today... I got a word for you. You run to the front, you pray until you're full of the Holy Ghost, and you take that Holy Ghost home. Because if they won't come to church, the church will come to you. Wherever you live, in some apartment complex, everybody's a hypocrite, everybody ain't right, take, take something powerful home with you. Take it back to the apartment facility. Get fired up today and get back out there and let's reach the world for Jesus. Are you ready? Let's stand. Because Jesus is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat today. Now here's what we're going to do. You're going to think about everything you wish would change around you. And then you're going to see God use you. You're going to think about every stress you've got and everything you complained about. And whoever you, you told a sister this morning when you got here about all the drama in your life. You're going to think about all of that. And then you're going to stop blaming everybody for something God's put you in. Because if God put you in the middle of trouble, it could be that God's called you to deal with it. And instead of asking us all to pray for everyone around you, if you will make sure you're on fire with God, I'm telling you that same power you feel today in the service will go walk with you. Everywhere you go, the hand of God is with you. And God can change the environment of your situation. Everybody say change.
Have you reached a place in your walk with God that you don't want to change anymore? Let us never get to the place, church family, where we no longer can be changed. Let us never get to the place in this church we think we've got it all figured out. People that don't pray in church, this is their mentality. Don't need to. Don't need to. So then you can never complain again about anything in your home, your job, your life, your family, your friends. Because if you have no complaints, then maybe you're just so close to God, this message isn't for you. But everyone I know is surrounded by suffering, by pain, broken loved ones and we keep begging God for intervention when God is pointing you're like I can't handle it I can't take it yeah you can when you're on fire in the Holy Ghost anything's possible when you're on fire with Jesus anything's possible do not doubt the power of God inside of you he wants to work through you he wants to use you he wants to speak through you and show his glory through you he wants you to have something powerful happen today that you can walk out those doors and start to talk about what God did for you today. Not what God did for them. Not what God did for him. What God did for me. I can't, I can't hijack George's testimony and use it as powerfully as I can my own. Let me give you an example before you come down here. Here's an example. I was so distracted Sunday the devil was fighting me barely stay awake during church, but I made my mind up when he was preaching, I'm going to go down to that front and I'm going to get something from God. And I went down there and I began to pray and God began to refill me with the Holy Ghost and joy and peace. And then when you walk out, that's the story you tell the world. I don't have anything to offer. That's a real struggle. That's something real that you could have right now. But you don't get it if you don't take ownership of it, responsibility and say, I'm going to have fire today in me. So let's get fired up. You ready? Before we go. Can we feel this front together? It's been a while. I want all of us to come. Let's feel this front. And I'm about to fi- we're going to fire it up. We're going to fire it up. Amen. Let's get some ministers to come up on the platform to save some space. Let's fill up the platform with some ministers. Ministers and your wives, come up here. Just some of you guys that are in leadership, staff. If you consider yourself a minister, we can figure it out later. But just come on up. I want you to bring your wives. We're going to pray. I want us to make sure we're all close up here. Just kind of spread out. We're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I feel it already. Fire's trying to fall. There's, he's ready. Jesus is ready. Somebody say, Jesus is ready. Jesus is ready. He's ready. Hey, what do you got hanging on to you right now? It's weighing you down. Jesus is ready. To separate it off of you. The devil wants to lie to you and tell you that there's fear that you're about to get hurt in church. No, you're not. Everybody watch me. Listen to me. The devil wants to tell this generation of Christians that you'll get hurt if you go to church. But listen to me. You won't get hurt. But the thing trying to hurt you will get hurt. If you hang around the fire long enough, you'll learn it's your best friend. There's been times I was uncomfortable. There's been times I didn't like it. But you know what part of me loved it? My spirit loved it. My flesh did not like it. My toes got stepped on. A part of me did not like it. But the part of me that was alive and eternal, it liked it. And it needed it. 
And today, you, I, need the fire in me. Your testimony's not done. Your story's not over. God's still got something to do in you. I dare say you got rid of drugs and alcohol and you got rid of all those things you're sleeping around, but I dare say you may still battle with something else, something deeper. And when I said that word, I felt it. We shift in church from things you get caught doing to things no one knows you're doing. And our testimony is weaker because we stop talking about the deep things God's digging out. Your testimony shifts from you getting caught smoking to you not get caught having a bad thought. And we, we say this, we say, I don't have a testimony anymore. I'm, I'm now in church. How do I talk to the world? You tell them that you were struggling by gossiping. And God dug it out of you. You, you tell them you were struggling with fear. And God set you free. It's, it's deeper than smoking, and, and it's, it's much further. It's further than all that. There are so many more things the fire can do in us if we will let it work. We'll let it work. But, you know, step one, Brother Dale, is stop acting like we have it together. If you'd just be honest for a second, there's still some stuff hanging on me I want the fire to deal with. Come on, close your eyes and get real for a second. What's hanging on you still that Jesus is ready to get rid of and can and should? Every one of us has something that nags us, that has something not done in us. Every one of us does. We lose, we get attitudes, everybody, everybody. And if we would just let the fire start to burn again, then we could be testimonies of the goodness of God. Come on, don't be afraid to surface it up. Jesus is doing it right now in Jesus' name. Free us today, Father. Come on, can we pray in the Holy Ghost? Can we pray till the fire falls? Can we pray till it falls? Pray till it loosens. Pray till I free. Pray till that thing gets head off of me and I get a light spirit on me. I'm heavy. I'm heavy, but I want to be light. God, let the Holy Ghost fire burn, burn, burn. Pray in the name of Jesus. Pray until the fire falls. Pray until you speak in tongues. Pray until God begins to loosen you, loosen you, free you in Jesus' name. That's it, sister. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get free today in Jesus' name. Get free. That's it. Get free. Get loose from it. The fire will loosen up that hard heart. The fire will loosen up that hard heart. The fire will loosen up that bad spirit off of you. Woo! Me. Change me, Jesus. Change me, Jesus. Change me, Jesus. Woo. Come on, be real with God. Grow me, God.